Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. If I were to title this, we're going to look at three different things about Jesus in the book of Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews. I, I, uh, Hebrews, Ephesians, Proverbs, are my, and the book of John, probably in that order, are my favorite books of the Bible. Of course, I like all the letters to the church. That's the ones you have to live in. And, uh, but I, I don't know. I've always been a real fan and a student of the book of Hebrews. Jesus is, was, and forever will be the most controversial person to ever live on this planet. Even today, there's controversy surrounding his name. Those of us that believe in his name, those of us that preach his name, those of us that bear his name. Uh, it's amazing to me, you know, the world system today, they don't want you to pray in his name. They don't want you to say anything about him. It's amazing how the world system fights. They don't care if you talk about God because there's an air of, uh, of uh, uh, familiarity with God. In the, and, and, you know, they talk about, well, the God of the Muslims, the God of the Jewish people, the God of the Christians, the God of... And they kind of make it a generic thing. But when you talk about Jesus, it becomes very personal. It can literally change a conversation, especially if you're talking about God. When you take the subject from, quote, God to Jesus, it becomes very personal. That's because Jesus died for every person on the planet. Every individual he died for so that they might be saved. So we love the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that upon the rock of who he is, the revelation of who he is in us, he builds the church. I've told people for years, I'm not the pastor of this church. Jesus is. I'm just the under shepherd. I'm the under pastor. He's the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. He's the great shepherd. Always will be. Amen. That's why I have confidence because I know everything that we do around here is that what he wants to do. So today we're going to look in the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at some things about Jesus. Because, you know, the more and more we know about him, uh, the more and more we know about ourselves, the closer we get to him, uh, the more about him comes in or out of us. I tell you, you can't help but love him when you see him the way the word of God paints the picture that he is. Years ago when I was first beginning in ministry, I used to go to a prayer group every Tuesday night up in Houston. Two Great preachers, tremendous ministers of the gospel. Both were named Francis. <laughs> F.E. Ward and Francis Ward. And, and, and Mama Ward used to sing a little song. More and more of Jesus. More and more each day. More and more of Jesus all along the way. More, of more, more and more of his great love. So rich, so pure, so free. I want more of Jesus. So I'll give him more of me. So she used to sing that. Do you remember Ella? She used to sing it just about every time she'd preach. And that got into my spirit, and I thought, I want more of Jesus. So I'm going to give him more of me. Amen? That's the way you get more of Jesus. You give him more of you. So here in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, everybody say God. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now remember, the voice of God was reverberated through the prophets of God all down through the Old Covenant, through Abraham, through Moses. You name the major prophets, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, the minor prophets, Hosea, uh, Jonah. You can name all of those in the Word of God. And the Bible shows us right here that God was speaking to people, to His covenant people, mainly Israel, through these prophets. Now notice the next verse, though. It says hath. That means past tense. He's already made His statement. 
hath in these last days, and now if he's saying last days in the book of Hebrews, we're in the last seconds now. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Now let me read that again. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Anybody know his name? Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Say it one more time. Jesus. Say it one more by faith. Jesus. Jesus. Now, we can determine through this scripture right here that Jesus is God speaking to us. Oh, that needs to sink in a little deeper than just a shallow amen. Let me say it again. Jesus is God speaking to us. Now, what is he speaking? Is he giving us the facts, the facts of life, the facts of humanity, the facts of God? In no way. Jesus is God speaking the truth to us. Jesus himself said of himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He didn't say, I've come to show you the way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I've come to tell you the truth. He said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I've come to give you life. He said, I am life. So if you get him, you get life. Amen. So what he spoke, spoke to us, what he speaks to us today, what he spoke to us through the earth ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he spoke to us through the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, and what he speaks to us today through the present ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is truth. Everybody say truth. Say it again. Say it one more time. Say God speaks to me through Jesus. He gives me truth. Now truth is a unique force. Facts are... facts. Facts, all facts, are subject to change. Here we live in Galveston today. It's kind of balmy and, and a little bit humid out there. There may be some rain later today. I know that I think scheduled for uh, late Wednesday into Thursday, a cold front's coming down. So the fact is, it, it's, it's warm and balmy today, uh, but it's going to change. That's the way facts are. They're subject to change. But truth is not like that. Truth is eternal. Truth is settled. And truth has two unique components. Truth has a, comp uh, truth has a proclamation. Truth has a demonstration. If I, were to, if I were to tell Roland, Roland and I have been friends for many years. He's worked for us now in ministry for 20 years. If I were to tell Roland, Roland, I'm going to give you a thousand bucks. Well, he wouldn't doubt me. Not a bit. He'd probably say, okay, well, great. You know, maybe he'd be expecting me to give it to him after the service. Maybe at the end of the day, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. Say a month goes by and I hadn't given him $1,000. I tell him, Roland, remember I told you, I'm going to give you $1,000. And so a year goes by. And I tell him again, I'm going to give you $1,000. And two years go by. And I say, I'm going to give you $1,000. And five years go by. And so I'm going to give you $1,000. There'd come a point during that period of time in which he would begin to doubt my word. Because what I'm saying and what I'm doing is not coming into agreement. So it would harm our relationship. You say, what do you mean by that? God has a proclamation side. But he also has a demonstration side. And if, what he, if he does not demonstrate what he proclaims, then we got a problem with the relationship. But i got good news for you. God is a demonstrator of that which he proclaims. What he says, he will do. He said, I'll save you. So he sent Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead so that we might be saved. I remember reading in the Bible over there in Matthew chapter 8, there was a leper that wondered about the will of God. He was eat up with leprosy. He came to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I know you can heal me, but I don't know if you will heal me. Jesus said this, I will heal you. Then the Bible says he cleansed him. His words and his deeds 
came together to form the truth of the Word of God. And God is speaking to us through His Son, Jesus, today. He's not giving us facts. He's giving us truth. Mm -mm, That gives you a good reason to shout this morning. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. I like this. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Can I read that in the Amplified? I just got to read it in the Amplified. Verse 2, it says, But in these last days he has spoken to us in the person of a son, whom he hath appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. One amen, and that was weak. (laughs) Let me read that again. Somebody needs to get this. Whom he hath appointed heir. Now, right there, you should have shouted. I said, right there, you should have shouted. You say, why? Because it says in Romans, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And if all things belong to him because he is the heir of God, all things belong to us in Christ. Glory to God. You say, is that healing? That's healing. Is that prosperity? That's prosperity. Is that deliverance? That's deliverance. Is that the will of God for my life? That's the will of God for your life. Mm -mm -mm. Whom he hath created heir of all things. Also, by and through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time. He made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying or radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding, maintaining, guiding, propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. When he had by himself offered himself and accomplished our cleansing of sin and riddance of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Man, if that doesn't shake you up, you need to check up on your shaker, amen? I mean to tell you, when you begin to see Jesus in the light of the Word of God, listen, he's not some poor, weak guy hanging on the cross somewhere. He is resurrected from the dead, risen, seated at the right hand of the Father. God made everything that is and was and will ever be through him. Not only he obtains and maintains and propels and upholds, keeps it all in order through Jesus who is the Word of God. Now, if he's taking care of the universe, don't you think he's big enough to take care of your little universe? That's your problem. That's why you're so tired. You say, why is that? You've been trying to uphold. You've been trying to maintain. You've been trying to propel. You've been trying to keep it all in order. Why don't you just give it all over to Jesus and let him do it? He is the one that's an expert at it. So Hebrews chapter 1, very simple truth. Hebrews chapter 1 God is speaking to us through his son Jesus. Amen? Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partaker of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Now let me read that in the Amplified. It says, So then, brethren, consecrated and set apart for God, who share in the heavenly calling, thoughtfully and attentively consider Jesus. You know, right there, we could preach a message, right? Some of you evangelists could get you a message out of this. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. What do you do when you're afraid to die? Consider Jesus. 
What do you do when the doctor says you have this disease or that disease? Consider Jesus. What do you do when you're bound with addictions? Consider Jesus. What do you do when fear and doubt comes, tries to come? Consider Jesus. What do, you, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Consider Jesus. Come on, church. What do, what do you do when it looks like you don't have enough money to pay the bills? You consider Jesus. What do you do when your child is sick? What do you do when there's problems in your family? What do you do when there's problems in your bed? What do you do when there's problems? Consider Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. Consider Jesus, the apostle, the sent one, the high priest, our representative, whom we confessed as ours when we embraced Christian faith. Now, let me just put it to you like this. Under the old covenant, under the law that was initiated through Moses, as he came down off the mount, the instruction that was given him, the tribe of Levi had no inheritance, no natural inheritance in the land in which Israel was to possess. Their inheritance were to be the take caretakers of the oracles and ordinances of God for that dispensation. Therefore, they were the ones that killed the lamb. They were the ones that laid their hands on the scapegoat. They were the ones that brought the offerings into the temple. They were the ones that did the service of God within the temple and the tabernacle. Amen. They were the high priest. They were the go-between. They were the intercessors. They were the ones that stood between God and man performing the acts and oaths of their covenant. Now, in so doing, people gave them gifts. People gave them offerings. People gave them sacrifices that they took and presented to God. Now everybody look this way. There's no priesthood today. There's no group of men, there's no group of women on the planet that are the intercessors or the go-betweens between God and man. They are not on planet earth. There is one high priest. I said there is one high priest. His name is Jesus. He is the one that brings our offerings. He is the one that brings our sacrifices. And he is the one who is the high priest of our confession, of what we say, of what we speak. He is the one that offers our words up to the Father. Jesus said, by our words, we are justified. By our words, we are condemned. The first day you ever gave words to Jesus, we used Brother Allen this morning, Pastor Allen this morning. One day he was lost. One day he was undone. One day he was without God. But one day somebody preached the gospel to him. He heard of Jesus. He was instructed, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He bowed his knee to Jesus. He opened his mouth. He made that confession of faith. Jesus received it in heaven. His high priest took it into the throne room of God and said, now, here is your child, Alan Martin, and here are his words today. You said by his words, he's justified. By his words, he is condemned. You said if he would confess me as Lord and Savior and that you raised me from the dead, he'll be saved. And God looks at him and says, saved in your name, redeemed in your name, cleansed in your name, healed in your name, prospered in your name, blessed in your name. That's why you got to watch your words. Why? Because I don't want Jesus loaded up with a bunch of doubt and unbelief. I don't want him loaded up with a bunch of religious words, a bunch of theological words, a bunch of philosophical words. You take and give him back his word and say, here's what I believe. I believe by your stripes I'm healed. I believe that you cause me to prosper in all things. You supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I believe you've delivered me from the power of darkness and translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. I believe the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets me free from the law of sin and death. And Jesus takes those right into the throne room of God. He said, listen to them guys down in Galveston. 
Hadn't heard a lot in the past, hadn't heard a lot in the past hundred years. Hadn't been a lot of words coming from God in the past hundred years. But I tell you, these past 11 years, it sounds like there's a lot of words coming up from Galveston. They're talking about building a building. They're talking about buying land. They're talking about preaching on the internet. They're talking about sending missionaries to the nations of the world. They're talking about this. They're talk- and God's saying, I like that. God's saying, I like that. That's just what I want him to do. And he justifies us because of our words. We have a representative in heaven. He is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Let's look at that just a little further. Then we'll go to Hebrews 12. Go to Hebrews 9 real quick. So first, Jesus is God speaking to us. Secondly, Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. But look at chapter 9. I like this. Chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Ooh, listen to this. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, entered he once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. I like those last two words. Oh, you missed a good opportunity to shout. Having obtained eternal redemption for me. Everybody say, for me. Now notice what it says. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience, purge your lifestyle from dead works to serve the living God. You say, it's hard for me to serve God. You hadn't seen Jesus yet. You say, it's hard for me to follow Jesus. No, it's not. He has purged your life. This is talking about the dead works of religion, which people go through to try to get to God. The Muslim way, the, the, uh, the Hindu way, uh, the other, every other way that people try to get to God. Say, I'm just trying to find God. No, no, he's looking for you today. He's looking for you today in the form of a message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is searching for men and women and trying to find them so that they might be born again and come into the kingdom of God. Just think of that day. There's no time in heaven. It's eternity. Jesus stepped out of the realm of time into the eternal realm, bore in I guess some type of receptacle. His own blood. Could you imagine? He walked through the pearly gates. He walked up the streets of gold. For three days and three nights, there was time in eternity. Think about that for a moment. For three days and three nights, time was relevant to eternity. You say, why? Because that's how long Jesus suffered for you and I. The clock ticked down. One day. Two days. Two days and 10 hours, two days and 15 hours, two days and 23 hours. Then God said, I justify him. He sent the same spirit that abides in us, the Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost, the spirit that was the cloud by day and the fire by night, the spirit of God that came upon the prophets of old. He sent that spirit into the region of the damned and raised his son Jesus from the dead. And not just raised him from the dead, but so re-energized him with power that he walked into hell itself and beat the devil and every demon power that was arrayed against us and destroyed them. The Bible says, for this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
Then he walked into heaven, past the pearly gates, up the streets of God. Could you imagine the hush that must have been in that eternal city as Jesus walked into the very throne room of God and poured his blood on not the seat of grace, not the seat of love, but the seat of mercy. God's ability to stop from happening to us what should happen to us because of where we're born and who we are. And he looked at his son and says, everyone that comes through that blood has everything you've gotten through redemption. He did it once so that he might be his, our high priest forever. Hallelujah. So, Jesus is God speaking to us. Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Now go to Hebrews chapter 12 real quick. How's my time? Oh man, I'm doing good. I should have let Larry preach a little longer. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that's verse 1. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin, and the sin which does so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I love this. Looking unto Jesus. Everybody say, looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me read it in the Amplified. Looking away. Everybody say, look away. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader. And the source of faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also the finisher, bringing him to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, we have it like this. Jesus is God speaking to us. Jesus is our apostle and high priest. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Oh, my goodness. You begin to consider that. You begin to think about, listen, let me just help everybody in here for just a few moments. If you serve God the way we do here at Island Church, if you believe God the way we do according to the Word of God, according to the Bible, remember, we're kind of purist around here. If God said it, we believe it. We don't need an interpretation. I'm not up here to interpret the word. I'm here to proclaim the word. I'm not here to tell you what God says. I'm here to show you what God says through his word. Amen. We're not trying to interpret it. We're not trying to twist it. We've studied. We show ourselves approved. We trust the Holy Ghost to give us right division of the word of God. Now think about this. Think about your dreams. Think about your visions. Think about your desires. Think about all that you want from God. Think about where did that come from? Where did that come from? Because according to the world and the world system, most of us are crazy. <laughs> Certifiably. <laughs> Diagnosed. See, some of your problems, you just haven't got crazy enough yet. You haven't, got not, you haven't got crazy enough to believe God for the miracle that you need. You haven't got crazy enough to believe God for the break. You've got to get out there on the edge. Glory to God. I've always seen a life of faith. I remember the old uh, uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoons when, when Elmer Fudd would chase him up the tree and he'd, Bugs Bunny would run out the tree and he'd be sitting there just kind of leaning in midair, chomping on a carrot, and Elmer Fudd would run up the tree and start sawing on the branch, sawing on the branch, sawing on the branch, and he'd saw through the branch and Elmer Fudd of the tree would fall over and Bugs would hang out there in midair. 
There's your faith walk right there, brother. The devil chases you up the tree and out on a branch and you just sit out there eating your carrot of God, chewing on it, saying, devil, you can't harm me. And he saws and saws and saws on your dreams, saws on your vision. And when he finishes sawing, he's the one that falls over. And you hang out there in midair saying, look what the Lord has done. You can't believe like that on your own, church. You can't come up with that kind of stuff. You can't come up with the dream that's in your heart. You can't come up with that vision. Jesus has authored it. He has gone into the tablet of your heart, and he says, I'm going to write a dream. I'm going to write a vision of a better life, of a better way to live, of a healthier body, of a fatter pocketbook, of a better house, of a better car to drive. I'm going to author it on the inside of him. Not only will I author it, I'll take him down the path of righteousness. I'll be the author, and I'll be the finisher of what I put on the inside of them. See, the problem with most Christians, they let him off it, then they try to finish it. It ain't going to happen. Because it's not natural, it's supernatural. God doesn't want you to be a natural person living on a natural earth, doing natural things. He wants you to be a supernatural child of Almighty God, looking unto Jesus, keeping your eyes fixed and focused upon Him, understanding that He's the one that gave you the reason to believe, and He is also the one that will bring it to pass, that which He has caused you to believe. The devil may say no, religion may say no, your family may say no, but God says yes, and that's all that matters, is when God says yes, it's Yours in Jesus' name. Just today, I think about in March of 2014, I'll celebrate 30 years of ministry. Things seemed so impossible 30 years ago. All I knew is I was right with God. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. I'm finally right with God. After years of being away from the Lord, I'm right with God. Well, praise God. If I were to die, I'd go to heaven. Hallelujah. I owed money. There were some things that I'd done that if I would have continued to do that, I would have gotten in trouble, so I went and made those things right. Some other things going on, I thought, what am I going to do? I didn't want to preach. I was still, still fearful of the call of God on my life. And then I look back over those 30 years of the nations that we've been in, of all that God called us to do, and how God, through Jesus Christ, would come into my spirit and author things. He spoke to me in those early years. And he said, now you believe me to go to local churches and help those local churches rise up and be the churches that I've called them to be. Help other ministers. Help. Just be a help to every person. I'll send you to a church where you can be a help. I'll send you to a people that you can be a help. Just help, 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 help. And then back in about 1999, 2000, he began to deal with us about Island Church. He began to author. He began to pin something on the inside of our spirits of a church, and people screamed when they heard it. No, no, no. Of a church in Galveston, Texas. I had one man come to me and say, Pastor Rusty, if you would just not go to Galveston, if you'd go to Pasadena. He said, I'll give you a building that's worth a million dollars. He said, I'll give you the title. I'll give you the deed. I'll give you everything. No strings attached. Just don't go to Galveston. That's the preacher's graveyard. That's where ministers go to die, not to live. But Jesus authored something on the inside of me. And he said, I'm going to raise up a church. I'm going to raise up a church that will touch the nations. I'm going to raise up a church that will shake the island. The Lord said to me like this, the island's been shaken. No other town, no other city in America has been destroyed more than this one right here. It's been shaken, shaken by nature. A 1900 storm, still the greatest disaster. 6,000 people died in a flash. Other subsequent and previous storms destroyed. Just recently, 2008, we were destroyed again. Controversy, sin, 
Galveston was a wide open city, shaken by crime, shaken by graft, shaken by immorality, shaken by wickedness, shaken by the cults, shaken by witchcraft, shaken by religions. It seems like this whole island has been locked down with the strongholds of the devil. But the Lord spoke to us and said, in the last days, it's going to be my turn. Where everything else is shaking this island, I get my turn. God says, I get my turn. I'm going to shake the island with glory. I'm going to shake it with healing power. I'm going to shake it with salvation and deliverance. I'm going to shake it with the power of God. And if you'll obey me, I'll do it through you and your church. So we're going to obey him. Because he authored it. And he's in the process of finishing it. I tell you, I look forward to getting that land. I look forward to getting that building built. But I'm looking forward to what he's doing right now in our midst. Every time we have a service, every time we get together, the dream grows bigger and bigger and bigger. God adds more and more people, more and more finances, more and more influence, more and more favor. Here it comes. Jesus just standing up there with his arm crossed saying, I'm I'm finishing it up. I'm finishing it up. And one day he'll open the eastern sky. He'll call his church home. And it'll be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And I trust God it'll be our generation that gets to experience that as he finishes what he authored 2,000 years ago upon the cross. So, in conclusion, Jesus is God speaking to us. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 3. And I'm sure, certainly this is not exhaustive of Jesus in Hebrews. We just kind of skip through it a little bit. Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 9. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews chapter 12, he is the author and finisher of our faith. More and more of Jesus. More and more each day. More and more of Jesus all along the way. More and more of His great love, so rich, so pure, so free. I want more of Jesus. Some will give Him more of me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Come if you will, Brother Frank. Lift your hands and just worship the Lord for a moment. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.